0: Matthew chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 12. The title of the lesson is Salt. God provides salvation to those seeking him. I love that word seeking, that desire to know, to learn, to get close, to find the treasure. So God provides salvation to those who look and are seeking him. Matthew 2 2 is our memory verse. Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. So, did you experience the miracle of Christmas yesterday? Did you feel the, the rest? In your soul from knowing that God has set things at peace on earth by sending his only son it's a great time to remember why Christmas captures our attention and our imagination each year we get to remember how precious and how sweet a little baby is in a young family because we we celebrate a little life coming into the world We get to marvel at the shepherds the ordinary people being the first who were invited to recognize and see the extraordinary birth that god had brought to earth god decided that he would show himself to us and we ponder at that the mighty king of the universe coming as a helpless small little baby into a little jewish couple in a tiny town considered insignificant, but only special because of prophetic words, that he would be predicted as Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. So matter no matter how secular and completely non-Christian our world has made Christmas, they still celebrate it. People pause to eat together, And they give gifts to one another. And they have beautiful displays in their yards with lights and beautiful Christmas trees in their house. And whether or not they do it intentionally, they do it in a secular way, it still memorializes this incredible thing that God did for us. I think God requires that his son be celebrated and he requires it of the whole earth and the whole earth does celebrate it even in a non-christian way they celebrate it and i think that is a beautiful thing that we need to recognize comes from god so no matter what their belief is many many people recognize the songs of christmas The Hallmark movies are always secular. If you watch any of those, they are secular. They hardly ever mention God. Occasionally, there'll be a prayer at a meal. They make that rare. They don't make that often. But the background music, did you listen to any of it? Silent Night, Joy to the World, Away in a Manger. Those Christmas carols are in the back. They are still part of Christmas, and even though they are trying to not give glory to God, when you hear those melodies come out on the speakers in a store, in the middle of a movie, wherever you are, those words come to your mind, and so you begin to celebrate Christmas. You, you recognize Christmas. People love jingle bells and all the secular songs like White Christmas, but they still know the carols. And we laugh in our family at our firstborn grandson Coleman at some of the things that he has done. When he was a tiny preschooler and he was in front of the he was going to be in front of the church to sing, he came home very frustrated. I don't want to sing that song. It's so sad. It was Away in the Manger. And he said, it's just so sad they didn't have a crib or a bed for baby Jesus. I'm just not singing it. I'm going to sing jingle bells. (laughs) So we all went to the program thinking, oh, what's he going to do (laughs) when they start to sing away in the manger? But he didn't sing jingle bells. He just stood up there and smiled like our little preschoolers did. Some participate and some don't, but that's okay, and he was okay in that. He didn't give us a loud jingle bell that we had to to worry about. <clears throat> this year, our preschool program to remember was Daniel's son. He's three years old, and his group was singing um, The Drummer Boy, and he was dressed as a shepherd, and so they had put bells on their hands, this little bracelet of bells around their hands for particular times when the drum was beating. And so rather than sing, Connor spent the entire time trying to figure out how to get the bells off, which we just were laughing (laughs) that he just needed to get those off. He's just like his father and they take things off and they figure things out, how to release things and take the batteries out of things. We just sat there and we went, that's our, that's our Daniel's child. So we do get so much fun with the Christmas programs from our preschoolers. We sure enjoyed the ones where our Midwood preschoolers were in front of us. And I particularly took note of the whole front row who didn't sing. <laughs> there was a beautiful little blonde-headed boy who smiled so big that you just wanted to just squeeze him. he was just, he was just joyful up there, and right beside him was someone who didn't want to be up there at all and She never said a word, and she didn't smile. <laughs> and they were both on the front row and then there was one on the edge that needed to try to get away <laughs> he was just that one was just trying to get away, and so we know that that are those are the very kinds of reactions that people have to Christmas. Um, There are people who are joyful the entire time, people who don't really appreciate the whole season, they just get through it, and then those who are trying to escape, (laughs) trying to get away from the edges of things. The story, though, is sweet. It is something that captures the whole world's attention, and it is something that we know, in the first Christmas, caught the astronomers' attention. And that takes us to where we're going to focus today, and that is at the arrival of the Magi, which was not on the actual night of the birth, because remember, the angels came and announced the birth to the shepherds, and they came and visited the baby who was in a manger in that open area. But this is much later. We don't know exactly the timing, but we'll start with our scripture, Matthew 2. First passage is one through three. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star as it was rising and has come to worship him. And then when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. So we see that the Gospel of Matthew starts to tell the same story that the Gospel of Luke tells, but he starts it a little differently. He actually gives us a big heritage, earthly heritage, lineage report. So we find that Jesus can be traced back to Abraham, who left a big, huge city-state in the heart of Mesopotamia called Ur, and we know the Mesopotamia was the land between the two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And that is where somewhere in that vicinity is Iraq. And so somewhere in that vicinity was this city Ur, as the present-day country it's Iraq, where the apparent big-time city was. And the archaeologists have dug it up, and they have proved that that was a very, very industrial, beautiful city that was well-to-do, educated people. So Abraham came from a very well-educated area of the Middle East. And in that population, they were fluent in mathematics and astronomy, and they were the ones who started all of the big deal communication of writing. And so we know that's where Abraham came from. And we know that the nearby cities, Babylon and Assyria, were also very important to this story because that's probably where the Magi are going to originate from. So in these cities were the things that were decided that still affect us today, such as dividing time into 60 increments. And so we have 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour that came from this culture from the culture that Abraham called was called from. So he was left to leave this very affluent, educated culture. We, we We don't always focus on that, to start this new people, Israel, that God called him to start, that would be a people of God. And that's where the Messiah would come from. So then Matthew reminds us that Jesus also has King David in his lineage, that King David is also... The one that jesus has come from and that that was from a prestigious bloodline so we have the kingship so we have the roots of israel and then we have the kingship the one successful king even though he was morally defective god honored david as a very successful king and he loved david as one who had the right heart and the right repentant heart And so then we see Matthew take a departure from the typical ancestry look, the way that most people would write an ancestry of their family. And he began to include women. And he mentions Rahab, who was a prostitute from Jericho, who turned to belief in God and helped rescue um, those who had come to conquer Jericho. And so she was successful in helping them conquer the city of Jericho. And then he mentions Ruth who was a Moabite who selflessly leaves her people in order to take care of her mother-in-law who was widowed also. And Naomi and her became the great-grandmother and the grandmother of King David. And then Matthew gives a very matter-of-fact revelation and realistic viewpoint of the birth. He tells us that Mary was with child and that Joseph was about ready to put her away because she was not married to him yet. (laughs) So he gives us a very realistic picture of what happens when a young woman is found pregnant and the man she's supposed to marry knows it's not his baby. And so then he gives us also though the supernatural picture that God intervened and told Joseph, nope, you don't have to leave her. This is a supernatural in vitro fertilization. So way before anybody ever could think of a baby being able to be put into someone's womb like we know can actually happen today, God himself was going to provide the seed that would go into the wound of little little Mary who was willing and would join into her cell and become a life that would be Jesus. So we know it starts at a cellular level, and we know a lot about creating life now. But in this case, God provided the seed that Genesis 3 said would eventually take care of that enemy, Satan. In Genesis 3, he already said that God would take care of the enemy who had deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's amazing grace right from Genesis 3. God took the initiative to show himself to us in these verses today we are seeing then what happens after jesus was born so what a celebration a time of rest a time that they had had visitors and we we know that the bible says and jerry and that mary pondered these things in her heart that she knew this was a miracle but each miraculous event that was associated with his birth she would ponder in her heart and she would consider what the lord was doing and so at some point we know that they moved out of the little stable area the back of the inn where they had just given them really the best place they could for some privacy and that they had had the visits from the shepherds and that they had moved into a house because we know that at the time that the magi came to visit that they were in a house and so a lot has been looked at in the literature as to whether or not This was in the first week after the baby was born, or it could have been, we don't know, even up to two years. So sometime after the birth, there was a visit from the Magi. And So we do have some hints, though, on that. From the study of Ezekiel, we learned that the statement, where is he who has been born, the king of the Jews, coming out of the Magi's mouth, was a miracle. Remember Ezekiel? We've been studying this prophet that was out in exile in the areas right around Babylon. God's people had been pushed out of Jerusalem. They had been exiled. And God said, I'm going to take my sanctuary. I'm going to be sanctuary to you out into the world. And so out of Jerusalem came all of this knowledge of God. And Jeremiah the prophet had said, tell the people about me. Tell the people about me. Settle. Become part of the community. Invest in them. Pray for this community. And, and in doing that, they'll be they were doing what God had intended all along, that they would be a light to the other nations. And so the people... And all of these other countries, began to know about God, and so all of these hundreds of years later, the miracle of the statement is that somebody who had been under the the ministry of Daniel or Ezekiel or Jeremiah out in these exiled areas had picked this up, and they and that there were Jewish people still in these areas. In fact, some of the Writings that I read said that in Yemen, which is close by, that there were actually Jewish kings in that area. So the Jewish people have flourished in these other communities and in these other countries. And the wise men, the magi, could have been Jewish kings out of Yemen. That was just one possibility. But the exiled people scattered through the earth had left behind the promise of a Jewish Messiah, the promise of a Jewish king. And so the Magi then could have possibly been those Jewish kings that were in Yemen, or they could have been just very affluent astronomers, because the astronomy field was not um, something that was like witchcraft that we think of today, where people are all into horror horoscopes and that kind of thing they were actually people they were astrologists they were looking at the stars they were they were studying they were actually scientific but they were also educated men and remember I told you that all of the education of the Mesopotamia this was first civilization this is where language came from this is where writing came from this is where where math and science was at its best and this is back where that came from where Abraham originated is where these magi came from. And they have the education to connect religion with astrology. And so they've been studying the stars, and then God provides something supernatural or something that was a combination of planets. There's a lot of different writings on this. There's a lot of different versions of what it could have been. I just go with God gave them this bright, bold light that they had been looking for and they followed it. And so it was a very, very beautiful fulfillment of prophecy that the Messiah was going to come, and they wanted to find him. These were indeed wise men. So the literal word is more likely magi, which would be a very affluent, learned person. But I think the idea of them being wise men, educated, fits so beautifully because today we're really talking about how wise it is to seek God and to want to come to God, to worship him like we are here today, to worship him. So the timing of the Magi coming is anywhere from days afterwards when Mary and Joseph got a house up to two years later since Herod reacted to the news of the baby with a murderous threat. Then we we have a few things that we can look to to give us some guidelines. So we know that the baby was dedicated in the temple after the about 40 days because that would have been when Mary was purified and they would be able to to offer a sacrifice. And so since the wise men brought very expensive gifts to baby Jesus, and Mary and Joseph showed up to that time in the temple with the gift of a poor person they brought birds instead of a lamb we can guess that the wise men had not come to visit by then or they would have had some gold frankincense and myrrh that they could have purchased the acceptable lamb because you were supposed to bring your best gift possible and we know these were two young people who loved god and were in the middle of a miracle So it's likely then that the Magi did not come until the baby was months old, at least. And we also know it wouldn't have been safe for them to take the baby to the temple if the murderous threat of Herod was already in place. So at this point, Herod hasn't had the visit from the Magi, and so they could take their baby to the temple for dedication, which is a beautiful story in itself. So then they do arrive, though, And they inquired of the current king about the future king. They said they saw his star rising, and they knew that it was significant. And this, it says in the Bible, caused King Herod to be troubled, which is so sad. He was disturbed instead of happy. And it's interesting, isn't it? He's the king. And he does know that there's this prophecy. That's what's so interesting to me is that there was always this remnant of Jewish people, the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders who, who really gave Jesus such a hard time that actually did know these prophecies and, and had been educated in these things. And it says he brought together all of them, the most learned scribes and asked them to look and see when is the Messiah supposed to come? And then he found out that this was something that the Magi had a real idea about, that the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So the scripture had actually given that information. So it's interesting that they found themselves in a situation where King Herod was secretly requiring them to come back. So we're going to look at that scripture next. So okay, they have arrived. They've inquired. let's this next passage. It says, So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet." And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him." The idea that he was troubled and that all of Jerusalem was too was because this was a madman. We talked about it last week, but this man was known for his paranoia, and he was known to kill members of his own family. So everybody's disturbed if the king's disturbed. Everybody's disturbed if there's somebody who can cause a lot of trouble and pain. So, the journey that the wise men had come on had given them a lot of time, I think, to think about what they were going to do and to be prepared for worshiping King Jesus. And so, when they had come, they had asked for this, but I think it set them off a little bit concerned that the king asked for a special private visit with him the songs tell us that their journey was over hills and moors and mountains. um, As we think about the three kings or the however many, they would have been in a caravan and it could have been as much as 900 miles or more that that they had been in their journey. And it would have taken three to six months if they didn't stop. So they had been in journey for quite a while so that probably takes our baby Jesus up to close to a year old oh, maybe by the time they have arrived he was a worthy king to worship and we know that King Jesus is worthy of our worship so I don't know how you prepared to worship Jesus yesterday or this weekend or during this season how you did that but you know they made a big sacrifice of their time they made a big sacrifice of their means because it would have been a very expensive trip to take across the world from the Middle East over to Jerusalem and they show such respect for the Christ child that they that they have looked for him and they have gone to inquire where they might get the best information possible So as a knowledgeable Jew Herod did believe enough about the Scripture to be to be in the place that he would want to do something about Jesus. Unfortunately, he chose to do something that was wrong about Jesus, and each of us gets that decision every day, whether we're going to be glad that the Savior of the world has come and we can worship him, or whether we're going to do something that's not good. So when Herod did find out that this was truly truly not them understanding that he was the king, but that there was another earthly king coming to be in his place. He was threatened. And so we come to this last part of the scripture that we're reading today. And it says that after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there was the star that they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And get this, they fell on their knees and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. We get a lot of hints about the spiritual place that these magi were in from this reaction they had from visiting King Herod. I think they got a little concerned that he pulled them aside privately. And then they went ahead, though, with their plan to find Jesus. And they found him. And then they had the proper response to a king. They fell before him, much like Isaiah fell prostrate before holy God of the universe. And when I think of the supernatural light that stopped over the house, over baby Jesus, it just reminds me of the sanctuary Ezekiel talked about that was going to leave the temple. God himself provides sanctuary, his presence. And he would leave the temple and go out into the world where all the Jewish people would be a picture of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling us in our temples today. And I believe it was the Shekinah glory of God that stopped over that house. And it was not hard for them to find baby Jesus. And it wasn't hard for them to recognize that he was holy and just to fall before him and just to be amazed Just to be thrilled. They had anticipated it. They had looked for it. They had sought him. And then they were amazed. They weren't disappointed. I hope that's the way Christmas is for you. Every year that it never gets old. That it never gets tiring. That it's never not full of just anticipation and joy. And that you fall down and you worship him that you remember what God did, that he set things right in such an extraordinary way. He set things right. Well, we know that Herod was so concerned he was going to have all the babies killed, two and younger. So somewhere in that age group is when Magi came and that Joseph would be warned to take baby Jesus out of there to protect him, And the Magi were also warned. And they went home a different way, which would have been quite a big deal to do because, remember, they're a caravan. (laughs) And so getting out of town would have been another supernatural accomplishment that they were able to do because apparently Herod messed up and didn't really follow them. And so that's why he has such a harsh sweep that he would just try to get every baby boy that was born in the last two years they looked for him they found him they fell to their knees they worship him and then they offered their treasures gold because he was god king jesus frankincense because he's pure and holy and then myrrh because he is going to die and that was why he came That was set from eternity's beginning that he would be the sacrifice. He would be the unblemished lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And they brought all they had. Everything they had of value was worthy. That was all they had to give to the worthy king, the earthly king child. And if the world wasn't going to react, God would send his heavenly angels. That There would be a chorus saying, praise God, baby, son of God has come to earth. If the world wasn't going to react, the highest kings in another country, a place that was educated, a place that had been given the light by Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah had been given the light that Jesus, Messiah, was going to come, and he was going to be born in Bethlehem, that little town of Bethlehem. They would have a chance to worship when all the other leaders would be jealous enough to go into murderous rage. So God had the most unextraordinary extraordinary shepherds there, and then he had the highest of people who were learned and educated and truly God-worshipping seekers, those who desired to find God, who wanted relationship with God. So we have some lessons that we can learn from this. Number one is that God drew the wise men. He drew them there. He draws us to him. He gives us a chance to have Christmas every year, every day, every new sunrise. He draws the seeking heart to him. He responds to our desire to know him by revelation. He reveals himself. And so he did reveal himself to these seeking men who traveled more than 900 miles, probably more than 1,000 miles to see a baby. The second lesson we have is that they fell to their knees because they knew how to worship. They understand That blessed is the meek, the person who knows their position, who recognizes deity, that recognizes our position. We are not worthy. They recognize that. The brightness of the light reveals our sin. The Shekinah glory was over the top of that house. They knew their sin. They went down. We need to recognize our sin. It separates us from holy God. We need to take that lesson that's part of worship. And then the third lesson is the Magi brought their best gifts, their very best. Can you imagine their joy to be able to give their very best gifts? Miss Becky and I were talking about how fun it is to teach little children how to give gifts and how much it means to them to do that. So we, we have the 7-year-old and the 8-year-old grandchild that had such joy from Pearl just had so much joy making things for people, and we wrapped them up, and she loved handing those out at Christmas, and Colton loved wrapping some presents that he had put together, and passing those out at Christmas that gives us joy, and the I had that joy of giving something that's your very best, doing something that's beyond yourself, giving something sacrificial. We miss that if we don't sacrifice, if we never sacrifice, if we only give just, eh, I've got enough to do this and enough to do this. But it's when we sacrifice, it's when it, it's something that's beyond what we think we can do that God honors it. So can we give our Lord our full attention? Maybe that's the sacrifice that's missing, our full attention our full attention to this time of the year, to this day, to this witness that we can have to our world. So, all we need to know is that He came for us, He draws us to Himself. And we can come then and worship. So, I hope that as you come to worship today, that you will give Jesus you. Because remember, We get to have the Shekinah glory inside of us. It indwells us. We are his temple. We have the Holy Spirit living with us. People should see the glow coming out of us. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. The song says, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Make room in this heart. Push out the idolatry that we've been talking about that Ezekiel has been telling us about push out those other things prepare him room and then heaven and earth can rejoice so the story is beautiful we have angels we have stars we have us people us ordinary people that God loved enough that we can all then today in this worship service today worship King Jesus Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We praise your name. We praise you, holy God. We praise you, Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that loved us ahead of all time and set this beautiful birth into motion, that we would understand your love because we can understand it in this simple, beautiful, sweet, sweet story. That we can tell a child and a child can understand what a gift a little life is that becomes Jesus who loves us so much that he would die on a cross to raise us up because he conquered death from our dreariness, from our suffering, from our hopelessness. We praise you, Lord, for the example of the Magi. We praise you for your word, and we thank you for this day we have come to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.